When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome back. Yes, do not adjust your radios or your phones or computers, wherever you're listening. <laughs> UAP is back. It's Stephen Diener right here, Karen Curtis over there. Feels like we've been away for like a year. I know. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, a lot happened. My my daughter got married. I have a son-in-law. <laughs> You've been waiting to say that all week. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, congratulations on that. So there's just been a few things. Karen, like she just said, married away her daughter. Last week, so Karen was out, and then the week before that, I went on a road trip up to Notre Dame to see the football games. So it's a frozen diner. <laughs> I was. I thought it was going to be cold. I brought the South Florida air up to South Bend, Indiana. It was 74 degrees and hot during oh, the game. Oh, no. So we've been on our little jaunts here and there in the past couple weeks. We apologize. We didn't mean to leave you. We weren't but, kidnapped by aliens. No, but we are back, and we're happy to be back. We're and back then, on the mothership. But it does. It feels like we've been away forever. And I know some of you have actually been reaching out to us asking when the next episode was going I, to come out. Are you okay? Yeah. So I'm sorry for that. I don't blame you because, I mean, it's two weeks. It's a long time. I think it's like the longest we've ever gone aside yeah. from being off for the holidays. Yes, but we'll make it up to you. Yes. We appreciate the excitement. We appreciate your patience. And we are thrilled to be back with you on this new episode today of UAP. It's episode 58. Whoa. Canadian Close Encounters. So Beauty, eh? Can't wait for this one. Yeah, but we we, we are, before we get into that because these are some fun stories, and I know we've spent a lot of time up north, but you won't oh, no. you it's won't complain it. after you hear some of these today. There's a reason why we're going back up north today. Uh, we have the factoids. Yes, I miss these factoids. What do you got, Karen? I know. Well, actually, we have a couple today, and there's a little teasers mixed in with these factoids. Actually, that's right. We're foaming the runway for next week's episode. Mm-hmm. And there's new information that's coming out. First of all, the U.S. intelligence officials just this week delivered an updated report on UFO sightings to Congress. Aha. Of course, no one's talking about it. No, because they dropped it on Halloween when no one was paying attention. See? Well, parts of it are expected to be declassified and made available online later this week. Right. Uh, but in 2022, the update, you know, half of the total 366 cases that we've been reporting, that's why we started doing the podcast, sure. remain unexplained, Stephen. It's a lot. That's half of 366. <laughs> and those that can be explained are largely thought to be space trash mm-hmm. or foreign spyware, mostly from China. Sure. Because they've got that weird satellite that has an arm that comes out and plucks our satellite out of the sky. It's very strange. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that exists, but it I actually know. does. It does. <laughs> um, so, you know, Congress has been quick to deny that it's UAP investigations have anything to do with any kind of hunt for evidence of extraterrestrial life, sure. but you've got all these unexplained cases. 
And so they're, they're focusing on the potential risk of unknown technologies from other countries entering American airspace. Right. So I guess Space Force is kind of like... I guess that plays into yeah. it, right? The new branch of the military, a few years old now. And yeah, I mean, that a lot goes into that. I mean, when you're talking about the, the, the domestic security part of it, that's like the angle they tried to take. Well, now this is a matter of national security because yes. we know what these things are. Right. So, and it, that's fair. I mean, that's also true. But we're, we're going to get into more of that next week. But that's what's going on right now. We didn't want you to think we were ignoring the current news because yeah, there's dropped. actually a lot going on. And you know what? By the way, I don't even, I'm not sure if aliens are really that interested in us. I think they lock the doors and roll the windows up when they fly by. I think they just don't want us to blow up the universe. It's funny you say that because there's... Some talk of that, too. Some uh, very prominent international figures. And so re- remember remember you, uh, that you said that, Karen, because okay. there's there's some talk we'll of that it. as well. Um, aside from that, I actually have a double factoid. Oh, my Let's gosh. Let's you another factoid real quick. Yes. The, remember, do you remember when we talked about the uh, Varginha case? Yes. In Brazil? Brazil. It's kind of like considered the Roswell of Brazil, it was when those three girls, they saw, if you're not familiar with it, we did a whole episode on it. You can go back and search for it. Um, it's fascinating, actually kind of disturbing. But they saw what they described as this little humanoid being with red eyes, a bulbous head, three fingers. and, and Hairy, stinky. Yeah, it was stinky and seemed injured. Yeah. Well, it's, it happened like in the mid-90s. Like it had just crash-landed. Yeah, exactly. It happened in the mid-90s, and it's been kind of mysterious since then. Scarce details. Like I said, we went over it in, in detail, the details that we had anyway in the episode that we covered this on. Um, but there's a, some new stuff coming out. Now, a lot of new speculation about this case. There's actually a movie that just came out. It's a documentary called The Moment of Contact that looks pretty interesting that I want to get into myself. Um, and there's been books about this coming out. So, but there's new reports where people are saying there's like these, these whistleblowers some different uh, members of the Brazilian military who were involved in recovering this this being and the, the, the craft that I came in oh. on that might be coming out soon. There's some weird things going on recent, just within the past week or so with the Varginha case, all of a sudden. Like, this stuff is popping up over 25 years later. So that's the factoid, the two factoids, the dub, first ever double factoid. <laughs> But I think we're going to get into more of those in depth because it's super interesting and there's a lot of information with those two factoids that we just gave you coming up next week that I want to cover in more detail. I think we're going to do a whole episode on those things if you I like it. would oblige us if you don't mind. I mean, with almost 200 of these cases unexplained, what are they? Yeah, there's, there's a lot going... movements that we can't understand and... Yeah, there's 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 a lot going on with all that stuff. So we're going to get into that in depth. I feel like that deserves more time, it both does. those things. So we're going to get into those in episode 59 next week. So just a little a little teaser, a little info to let you know what's going on. But now as we get into right now in the present, episode 58, some of these stories here, Karen, and these close encounters of the Canadian kind. I know I'm cheesy with the titles, but I always enjoy it. Dude, <laughs> some of these stories are just downright strange. Whatever makes you happy. I know, that's true. Thank you. These are some of the strangest encounter stories in the history of Canada, okay? And the first one we're getting into, we're going to start off with a bang because this is what's, it's it's known as Charlie Red Star. We're okay? not going back to Manitoba, are we? Well, <laughs> I know we spent a lot of time up there lately. That's but the hot spot. Apparently. And the reason why we keep spending time there is because, quite frankly, these stories have just been so damn intriguing that we can't help but to cover them. Okay. And we're going to start off with one of the 
biggest UFO craze stories in Canadian history. So we're just going to shoot it right out the gate here. This is a story about a string of sightings that took place in, yes, you guessed it, Manitoba. Manitoba. We're going back. And oddly enough, just like our last episode when we spoke about the Canadian hotspots, Manitoba does take center stage again. Mm -hmm. This time we go back to the year 1975. I remember it well. This is when these strange sightings known as Charlie Red Star started to take place. Here's a little bit about it. May 1975, Manitoba, Canada. Unidentified flying objects have been reported over the small town of Carmen. The objects have been seen by many witnesses over a period of several weeks. May 13, 1975, cameraman Alan Carr of station CKY in Manitoba photographs two separate sightings over Carmen in front of four witnesses. The first sighting occurs at approximately 10.30 p.m. All right, so we're breaking it up here for you. That kind of sounds like Dracula. How great is that, right? (laughs) When I found that, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. It's very (laughs) dramatic. I couldn't wait to have that in this episode. So we're going to break this apart a little bit for you here. First of all, I do find it interesting. Just just for context real quick, I know we spoke a lot about Canada, Manitoba. One of the biggest cases that we had in uh, episode 57, our previous episode, was about the Falcon Lake incident that happened back on May 20th, 1967. So you're talking about almost exactly eight years later from the story that we spoke about last time with the Falcon Lake incident with uh, uh, Stephen McKellick there who... That was a wild story that we talked about. If if you missed episode 57, you can go back and listen. Um, Now we're in May 1975 when these uh, sightings start to take place. And you have the photographer there that our Dracula narrator mentioned, Alan Carr, who was a photographer for a news station. And he's taking these pictures in front of four witnesses. So right off the bat, you have multiple witnesses with these sightings. And you've got... Photographic evidence. That's right. And we are, you're going to hear more descriptions about this and what Alan Carr captured. Just know that when you hear this in a second, um, you, we will have the video up on the blog of what cool. they're talking about because there is actual footage of what Alan Carr captured. So the sighting is now taking place in front of, like we said, multiple witnesses. And it's just one of many sightings that would be seen over the span of a year. Oh. Okay? This is a very unique okay. sighting here. That's why it was like this this famous string of sightings that took place. It wasn't just a flash in the pan. No, exactly. It wasn't just something that happened one night. But then something really interesting happened on this particular night that we're talking about. And we'll, we'll let our wonderful narrator continue here. The object appears to be stationary just above the ground. Then, almost simultaneous, with a flash which appears in the sky, the object moves north at blinding speed. Only when the film is later analyzed in slow motion does Carr realize what he has captured photographically. So you're going to see that slow motion film on the blog. Uh, it's uh, You can find it at uh, 850WFTL.com. If you search the podcast section, you'll see UAP right there, and you go to our blog page. We'll have the video up. And also try to uh, to tweet it out on our Twitter as well, where some of you follow us, which is at UAPodcast850 on Twitter. So I'll bet Elon will like it. Yeah, maybe. He's, yeah, he's kind of into aliens a, a little bit. Make a comment on it. The, the, the new chief twit, as he calls himself. <laughs> Oh, Elon. So, <laughs> I swear. 
But it's this is an interesting one. So when you look at some of the details right off the bat here, what is this flash? Okay, again, you're going to see the flash in the video when you get to check that out on, on the blog and on our Twitter page. You're, you're going to see this flash, and it's weird because when the flash happens in the slow motion frames, you see this bright thing in the sky start to take off. And I'm wondering to myself, it just disappears, right? It just moves at the speed of light, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's gone, like you hear about all the time with UFO sightings. The the classic instantaneous acceleration is always one of the key elements of any good UFO sighting, UAP sighting. But the flash is weird to me. It is weird to me, too. What is causing the flash? Is this some type of... I mean, I'm, I don't want to get sound too crazy here, but just speculating. Is this some type of portal... That is opened up. Ah, that could be. It's signaling some type of like interdimensional travel. Well, because you know what? I was trying to think if we, if anything in the universe can't go faster than the speed of light, mm-hmm. then how are these aliens getting around, right. you know, from billions of light years away? Right. Because it would take forever. Sure. So it has to be interdimensional. You would think so. Or, you know, it goes back to the the Einstein theory of, of wormholes. Yeah. Right? He always explained the it like... The only way to explain it. Instead of traveling in a straight line, you take a piece of paper. I've always loved this yeah. explanation. You've probably heard it before, so just indulge me. But if you take a piece of paper and you just draw a straight line, it's going to take, you know, a few seconds. But if you fold that piece of Boom. paper and stab your pencil through it, you're there. Well, we've done episodes that's, that's where a people have gone from parts of the Earth to the other part of the Earth simultaneously. That's right. Teleportation, Same things idea. like that through right through these you know instantaneous wormholes or teleportation spots that are supposedly around the Earth, and you can find that on a previous episode as well. But hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's something to consider. The flash is what threw me off. Yeah. And I'm just wondering why that flash is there. Is that a signal of, you know, again, maybe some type of interdimensional disappearance <laughs> or travel? we're just trying to chug away up to the moon again. Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, Artemis. <laughs> anyway. Thrust. But <laughs> our uh, our narrator here, our friend, actually has a little bit more to finish off his Charlie Red Star report. Approximately an hour later, a second sighting occurs. The object appears over a group of trees and moves from left to right at an apparently low relative altitude to the horizon. Again, slow motion analysis provides a fascinating study of this unexplained event. So, this is, again, you'll, you'll see this in the video, but was this a different UFO? Was this a different craft? Why is it lower this time? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, now so this So, the other one disappeared with a flash, gone, and now we have a new one? An, a, yeah. a new one, just a little bit after. Okay. And so, again, is this multiple UFOs? It's very strange. Charlie Red Star. And again, this this happened for why a while. It, why is it Charlie Red Star? That's just what they decided to call it. Oh. It kind of had like a red gleam to it. Okay. But the, these sightings didn't stop after that one night. Keep in mind, sightings like these were almost commonplace now for over a year. This was just the beginning of it okay. in this area of uh, Carmen in southern Manitoba. 
In fact, one such couple became famous for their sightings on April 10th. Okay, so this is going back even before the, these ones in May sure. 1975. A couple named Bob and Elaine Demert were walking from their farmhouse to their private airfield. Excuse me. Oh. <laughs> in Carmen. The landing strip in the backyard. Yeah, really. And they saw the big red uh. light coming at them. Okay. Hence the, 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 the red star type gotcha. thing that they keep talking about. They described the UFO as having like a dome on top and it was pulsing. Oh. Okay. So classic description there, right? The, the, the dome, the flying saucer, kind of the pulsing red light. Now, the Demerts continued to see saucer-shaped objects a few more times. Then, starting May 7th, 1975, around the time that we were talking about that first UFO with the flash and it disappears, nightly sightings began that lasted for months. It actually became such a well-known event that people started traveling to the Demerts' farm to have UFO watch parties. Oh, how fun. (laughs) And they wanted to try to find what became known as Charlie Red Star, as it skimmed over their tall trees before zooming off into huh. space once again. Wow. Maybe it's just aliens taking a vacation. Maybe. Let's go to Earth this year. Apparently they're like Manitoba because yeah, Manitoba. <laughs> that's where all well, the stories can, have come from. Well, they've got lakes and stuff so they can go subterranean. They can go submerged. Yeah. True. True. And then we have a man named Grant Cameron. Okay. So we have all these different stories, all these different witnesses, all these different experiences all happening with these string of sightings in 1975. Now, Grant Cam- Cameron became kind of like a de facto lead investigator of sorts because he did extensive work on this case and these sightings. Okay. He was just a guy, okay? But this, he's just a guy who spent hours almost every night watching the skies over southern Manitoba waiting for that pulsing red light to return. And just as a side note, okay, it's, it's important to keep in mind here the size and scope of these sightings mm-hmm. to understand why they became such a big deal. Why are we spending the time talking about this? Because this was something that numerous witnesses were seeing almost nightly. Think about that. Right. Nightly sightings between 1975 and 1976. Something like that was and really still is quite unprecedented. Yes. I mean, you have neighboring towns. They're getting together for what essentially became these like known UFO watch parties. And without having any real explanation. They just wanted to see it. And still to this day, they're not really sure what it was. <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't more reporting on it back then. Right, exactly. I mean, Watergate had toned down. You had Jimmy Carter in office, so not a lot going on. I don't know why we didn't learn about this on the nightly news. Just internationally, I don't think it was yeah. talked about a lot. And no. plus, too, think about the time, 1975, you're a crackpot if you're talking about these That's things. That's right. Right? Yep. It's not like now, unfortunately. So when you take all that into consideration... You can see why, you know, just a, like a, a uh, layman investigator like Grant Cameron would spend so much of his own time trying to capture this thing and figure it out. He went on to witness Charlie Red Star many times and even led tours Oh, so others oh. could see it. Ah, it's Interesting, right? Capitalist. Oh, oh, absolutely. But here's something very intriguing that I want us to consider before we move on. According to Cameron, who wrote a book about this entire thing, and I guess you can find that on Amazon if you like. And it's named Charlie Red Star. He said that during his investigations, he heard rumors of, wait for it, nuclear testing south of the Canada-U.S. border. There you go. So that might have been the cause of this still unexplained phenomenon. Could the witnesses simply have been seeing some sort of top secret weapons testing? Or, my theory, Karen, and maybe yours as well. Mine too. 
Could we be looking at another case of UFO intervention slash moderation of our own nuclear capabilities? I think so. They come to Earth with their fingers and their ears, afraid they're going to blow up <laughs> the planet and the universe. What are these uh, these humans doing now? Uh huh. Let's let's Good keep an eye on these bums. So uh, something to consider. Now that isn't verified. I'm not going to sit here and say that is the an absolute fact that there was secret nuclear testing going on between because you know, it the was two secret, militaries. We don't know. Of course, that's kind of the the basis of the show. <laughs> Some of this is unverified, but that's why you make up your own mind. That's the reporting that Grant Cameron did saying that some of those drills were, were going on. And let's face it, a lot of you know nuclear silos are up in the northern United States. Okay, so we know that for a fact. One of them was shut down right. suddenly. So just keep that in mind. We did an episode mind. on that. Yes, we did. Another thing, you can go back and listen if you like. But it's it's interesting, isn't it? Yes. It kind of all comes together. It does. You might be thinking to yourself, well, why are they over there for a year? Hmm. If there's nuclear testing going on of some sort, they might have been keeping an eye on things. Interesting. Indeed. That's Charlie Red Star. To this day, it's still unexplained and talked about in Canadian UFO lore. Yeah, I can't wait to see the video. Oh, yeah, it's good stuff. We'll have that on the blog again, 850WFTL.com, on the UAP blog under the podcast section. But how about this one? Okay. I like to call this the case of the disappearing aliens. Hmm. Because I must say, this this year, I'm going to give it a disclaimer, all right? When I first came across it, I, even I... Found it to be incredibly strange. No. Yes. <laughs> but nevertheless. Steven Diener found something strange. This one really caught me off guard, but it's it's intriguing. Okay. We bring you the tale of Mr. S and the disappearing aliens. All right. We go back to March 4th, 1977. Okay, so this is a couple of years, or really a year after the Charlie Red Star sightings ended. Mr. And, S. And we're still in Canada? We are, yes. Oh, okay. We're in Canada. And a small town called Sundown. This is in southern uh, Canada somewhere. Um, it was, it's kind of hard to find. I think it's actually Manitoba as well, oh, believe it or not. But he's driving east, okay? He's in his, it's a small farm town in southern Manitoba. But the sun sets in the west. Weird, huh? Sundown. When he saw, and again, we only know him as Mr. S. This is a very strange, <laughs> vague report with scarce details, but we're going to give those to you now. He saw what he described as a vibrating and shimmering oval giving off a source of light, okay? Now, to his re- recollection, it was about 5 meters or 16 feet for those of us who are metric system Thank challenged. You. Yes, <laughs> like myself. <laughs> Me too. Directly ahead of him, and it made no sense. It made no noise, made no sense to him. He didn't really Just, know what he was seeing. That's common. Sure, right? He's seeing this glowing, vibrating type of oval, just emitting light, and which is, you know, not that far away. 16 feet isn't that far away. He has some questions, but doesn't know what it is. No noise. So he keeps on driving, right? So far, it sounds like your everyday description of UFO sighting. Yeah. This is where it starts to go off the rails a little bit. Oh, (laughs) no. He then says that the so-called oval did not look to be solid. He put his hand through it? That's the weird thing about it. Is this some type of uh, invisible craft? It's, It's... I don't know, like ghost-like. It's diaphanous. It's, <laughs> thank you for saying it, because I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's is this maybe between dimensions? You know. Oh, it's just it's not being what? tuned in quite yeah. right. Yeah. Why is it not solid? That's that one was strange to me. I don't know how to explain that. And he wasn't really sure what to make of it either. So 
as any good Canadian would do, he just continued driving <laughs> down the road. <laughs> then suddenly he came upon three, what he described as people. Okay. In air quote quotes. He described them standing on the road before him. Look, now, ahead in the road. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. Oh, no. Because get this. He got a look at them and said they were about five feet tall and shaped like bowling pins. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Okay. I know that armadillos are the bowling pins of the highway, but this <laughs> oh, is no. ridiculous. Yeah, especially in South Florida. So many armadillos down oh. here, you wouldn't think. They carry leprosy. Who knew? Uh, ooh, how about that? Um, really? Yes. <laughs> Hold on a second. Yes. <laughs> You're throwing me off here now. <laughs> you can't just throw something like that out there. Armadillos carry leprosy? Yes. Why? I, I don't know. <laughs> That's verified? Yes. That's a thing? Yes. Well, stay away from armadillos. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's terrifying. <laughs> Just hit him with your car. <laughs> wow. Okay. going to try to get back on track here. All right. Sorry. <laughs> that threw me up for a loop. So he sees these bowling pin figures, okay? Five feet tall, shaped like a bowling pin. Sometimes when I, after Thanksgiving and Christmas season, I'm shaped like a bowling pin as well. <laughs> <laughs> got to go on oh, that. pear-shaped diner. Oh, my gosh. Go on the New Year's resolution diet. Ah, so <laughs> cavity back, perimeter waiting. Oh, oh wait, boy. that's a ping golf club. Okay. So he said that they also had bulbous heads and a narrow neck. Now, that's the more classic uh, description of... You. But these are fat-ass aliens. Yeah, I guess. Okay. I've never heard that. Because usually they don't have weight issues. They don't have... They're always slender. Yeah, they, they're not into yeah. plastic surgery. No, nothing like that. That's weird. So you have these bulbous head aliens who are shaped like bowling pins now, okay? and But now that's your classic description. The narrow neck, the bulbous head, the big eyes, right? Yes. But then he said something else strange, that their, their bodies kind of... Or their neck and their bodies kind of flared out like a skirt. <laughs> So really? I'm, so now we've got genders. I I don't know if it's a gender or if he's just describing the way that their neck and their body flared out. I'm thinking of like oh, the like dinosaur. A, yes. That one that where their their the neck skin kind of flares out and it spits the green goo like you see in Jurassic Park. Or like a fin, or like a um, uh, fin, uh, what do they call it? The fish have the they breathe through the gills. Like gills. Yeah. So maybe something like that. I don't know. His description here of this alien is really throwing me off. It's something like I've never heard before. Maybe you have. No. I don't know. Unfortunately, though, he was so caught up in the moment that he couldn't break on time. Oh, no. And drove right over them. Oh, my God. He ran over them? He ran over the aliens. Oh, no. <laughs> this is according to Mr. S. The story is wild. Whoa. I told you. That's why I gave you a disclaimer. But he thought he ran over them. Oh, in the end, the mysterious Mr. S said he felt no impact on his bumper. Okay. Anywhere on his car. And the bowling pin-shaped aliens seemed to disappear, huh. in his words, when they touched this front bumper, never to be seen again. What? I'm like, <laughs> the hell is this? Happening. <laughs> what are you doing, Mr. S? Do they drink a lot in Canada? I think they do. Because they don't have much else to do up there. I don't know what to make of that. That's a really strange story. That's interesting. Story. Huh. So just to recap, because I feel like I... Yeah, put it back kind of spinning into perspective. One. Let's put that, yeah, into perspective. We'll try. You have this guy named Mr. S who is driving down some dark road in southern Manitoba. In sundown. Yes, that's right. He comes across a vibrating, shimmering oval that's emitting light. But it's diaphanous. Keeps, yes, doesn't look solid, keeps driving, 
Then he sees these bowling pin-shaped people, as he called them, about five feet tall, with bulbous heads and narrow necks and but flaring out like a skirt. And then he runs them over. But they disappear. <laughs> and then they disappear, huh. never to be seen again. What happened to the oval-shaped craft? Yeah. What, uh, this... Uh, Look, like we, you said, maybe it was not quite interdimensionally yeah, making, true. coming through. They were dropped off there. And then uh, actually, when you think about it, as crazy as this story sounds, it kind of makes sense when you connect that the craft was not solid. Yes, and they aren't either. And they weren't either. Right. He went through them. So some type of interdimensional, maybe they're stuck in one portal to the next and he was seen like the in, in transit? Maybe they're entangled particles. Could be. Or something in their other particle is somewhere else. And yeah, they got stuck in transit somehow in between dimensions. That's the only way I can explain this because it's really strange. Yeah, like in Star Trek when they're beaming him up. And right. He doesn't like. Not totally solid yet. Not totally. You're on the way. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he just caught them in that moment, but that's the tale of Mr. S. Anyway. We move on to our final story for today. And no photographic evidence of that. No, okay. all we have is stories for these last, for actually this last one too. Okay. For Karen and the little people. I had nothing to do this with it. This is not about our Karen, okay? okay? This final story takes us to Winnipeg. Hey! hey! Shout out to Winnipeg. <laughs> we traveled from Manitoba, where again, a woman, in, not, not our Karen, but a Karen in Winnipeg, the, the Karen of Winnipeg. And she's a nice Karen. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She had a close encounter. She's not encounter. an entitled racist. No, not, not, the, uh, not the insult of the word Karen. Yes, this is a Karen from 1992. Okay. So this takes us, like we said, to Winnipeg, where in her home, in November 1st, 1992, okay, mm. where Karen, who's a nurse living in Winnipeg, was awakened in the middle of the night at about 2 a.m., by what she described as a loud thumping sound on her door. Okay. Okay. Naturally, she was freaked out, of course, anybody would be, by the sound, and decided to get out of bed to find out what could be making the noise. Now, I don't know about you, Karen. Just as a side note, she's braver than Me I am. Me too. I know. No way. I'm under the bed. Oh, my gosh. With my mallet. Yes. I am I am grabbing whatever I can. I'm hiding under my covers and making believe I never heard a loud thump on my door. Yes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Or I'm in the closet. Oh, I'm hiding. Terrified just thinking about it. But we digress. When she got up to investigate, again, brave Karen here, she found herself in shock. And this is why you don't investigate, okay? <laughs> this is why. For reference, what I'm about to tell you right here is why you just stay in bed and hide under the covers when you hear that loud thump. Because when she opened the door... Yes. She saw what she said were two little people, huh? about three and a half feet tall, quotes, little people in quotes. They were three and a half feet tall, according to her description, and they were standing in her living room. Oh, so they came in the, what? Just waiting Went for her. Went through the door. Oh my Whoa, gosh. Whoa, little tiny people in the living room. She's giving me the heebie-jeebies. Oh my God. What okay. did they look like? Well, according to her reports, they had those classic large round eyes. Mm -hmm. But here's where the story takes an even more strange turn. Oh, no. If it wasn't strange enough already. She says they were wearing long white gowns. Well, wait a minute. How long can they be? They're three feet tall. I guess long enough. Okay. And they were able to speak to her telepathically. Okay. So they told her that they wanted to take her, of course, telepathically, for a ride into space. Huh. All right. So before I go any further, I do want to mention the, the white gowns because we've heard some of those descriptions before. Like, you know, like. Uh, during these abduction cases we've talked we've covered a lot of different abduction cases because quite frankly there is a lot and we've only scratched the surface on those by the way hint hint on future episodes 
And some of them have described these beings wearing some type of, you know, like a lab coat type of thing. So it's interesting that she describes the white gowns as weird as this story sounds. She does have that description. It's in there. consistent. Right. So now Karen says the next thing she knew, she was in a large hangar like room that contained a cigar shaped craft. Wow. Another aha moment here, right? Which is common. That's one of the common shapes of the UFOs. We thought we have, the, of course, the, your classic flying saucer, like Bob Lazar talks about. You have the cigar shape, which has been talked about before, the tic tac, the triangle, okay? The cube, which was new to us that, that we talked about last time. <laughs> exactly. But then she says that they took her into this cigar-shaped craft, and she said that that she remembers seeing a control room in there with chairs, screens, and buttons. Now, we just mentioned Bob Lazar. That kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yes, because he went in there and he reverse-engineered a ship. That's right. And he saw the same thing he said. He says, and if... I know Bob Lazar is a controversial character because some people think he's full of it. Others, I mean, completely subscribe to the guy like it's gospel. And we covered Bob Lazar in in detail, an entire episode we covered just for him um, way back when, if you want to go back and search that one out. But he mentions when he was in his, you know, his story that he was reverse engineering these UFOs, one of the ones that he was in charge of with one of his lab partners, so to speak, that when he went inside, it was all kind of just steel, wasn't really anything any color to Very it. austere. Right. right. But he talked about seeing like these controls and yeah. these screens. Didn't know how to work them. That's mm-hmm. what he was there for was to figure it out. But it's interesting how it those is. kind of those little details, you know, it's the little details that always intrigue me, how they match up in different stories. So just something to consider. Now from there, she's on the cigar shaped craft, right? She sees the, the chairs, the screens, the buttons. She says that the quote unquote little people push the buttons. And within a few minutes, she then saw many stars on the screens. Ooh. She was being shown space. Hyperspace. Wow. Were they moving or she just saw the stars? I guess they were moving. Uh. But she's seeing these stars now. And then suddenly, just as it was getting interesting, Uh. it was getting good. She wakes up. It's all over. Oh, dear. (laughs) Just as quickly as she found herself on the ship, she found herself back in her bedroom. Huh. So... I will be the first to admit here, okay, this sounds like a drug-induced hallucination. Yeah. <laughs> and when Just Winnipeg. being honest. All right, Winnipeg Karens, maybe they party a little too hard. <laughs> I don't know. She's a nurse. She gets the good stuff. Yeah. Or it could have just been a very vivid dream. Sure. Right, if we're playing devil's advocate here. But then again, and this is just my opinion, we leave it up to you to form your own. Right. Now those that's just what I think. But she know. had a piece of their white robe in her hand. Oh no. no I'm just <laughs> bum bum bum. Bum bum. Like the Twilight Zone. Uh, but yeah, you form your own opinion yeah. from all not not just that one, but from all these. Mr. S from Charlie Red Star. We always leave it up to you. We just give you the details. And if you think it's true, awesome. If not, well, we appreciate you listening to, I, to consider it. I'm on board with Karen. Do you think that one's true? Yeah, I do. You know, I mean, not to play factor fiction too much here, but it's just, I'm trying to figure out, because there are details in there that intrigue me. Well, it intrigues me that she's sleeping and she's awakened by a noise at the door. She gets up and goes into the living room and there's people there and then they telepathically speak to her right. and take her to the ship. I mean, that's a lot of stuff going on in a dream. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it is, now this could be connected, now there weren't any details of this, this is just my own speculation, but connection to some type of sleep paralysis. Oh, sometimes, I hate that. Oh, I hate it too, I get it. Oh, it's, it's the bad. worst. And when people get sleep paralysis, sometimes they 
talk about seeing things, right? Monsters or aliens. Yeah. They have like these waking nightmares. Shadow at the end of the bed. Right. I, oh. Now, maybe that was some something like that for her. Now, that would be extreme sleep paralysis to have this entire vision. I don't think that they take you when you're having sleep paralysis. They don't like take you for a, I know. a little jaunt on a spaceship. Right. That would be an extreme case. You can't move. Now, there are things here that make me think maybe there's something to this. And this story in particular. Okay. Miss Dress story was just completely strange. I don't know what to make of that at all. Again, the only thing I can think of is just he found him stuck in this interdimensional time frame. And that's why they were kind of like invisible looking. But... When it comes to this cigar-shaped craft, yes, right, that's that's a red flag right there. When it comes to a, you know a, a description that makes me think maybe there's something to this, the bulbous-shaped heads and the eyes that that she said three and a half feet tall. We hear about that all the time with the gray aliens, especially that they're childlike, right, with big heads and big eyes. And then we talk about the white gowns that some abductees have talked about before in their experiences, and so and. And then the, the details of inside the ship that match what Bob Lazar has talked about before. Right. When he was reverse engineering these things. The so screens and the buttons. And by the way, this is in the, what, early 90s? So we're, right. we're pre-internet, so not this information wasn't readily available. That's a good point. About yeah. all the other views, you know, people that saw stuff. Yeah. The, all of this, and then she happens to have the same experience. Right, it's a good point. Now I can imagine, yeah, we, we have more access to it. So. Right, you know, maybe she wasn't... She wasn't influenced. There wasn't things in her mind right. that would have told her to think of a cigar sh- or to dream it wasn't of suggested. a cigar-shaped craft. Yeah. Right. You know, or to dream of things that maybe Bob Lazar had seen that she maybe saw in a video on YouTube. No, this is 1992. Right. So, I don't know. And they weren't covering it on the news. Right, exactly. I would be interested to see if she had, and I couldn't find it, if she had any type of regression therapy with this. Oh, yeah. Because to be to be quite frank, a lot of times in abduction stories, it does end as quickly as it begins. Mm-hmm. One, next thing you know, you know, you're on a ship. Next thing you know, you're waking up in your bed. So there is that missing time element as well that does fit your classic abduction stories. So maybe this was a real experience for her. Plus, she's a nurse, so she's got a science background. Yeah. You know? Um, it's a not, strange one. Not as suggestible as, say, you know, some sort of an artist. Well... Close Encounters of the Canadian Kind. I love it. Eh? Hey. Oh, it's a terrible. I hate when people do that. I'm sorry. Sorry to our Canadian friends who are listening. For the, we love you. For the easy Canadian reference there. I'm from Detroit. You guys are my neighbor. Yeah, you're close enough. So that's what we had there. Wow. I don't know. Very interesting. I'll have to mull it over and look at that video from the first story. Yeah, you can check that out. We'll have the video up from uh, Charlie Red Star we were talking about. The episode, the video, of course, will be on 850WFTL.com. Under the podcast section, you can search for UAP. Everything is there. And, of course, on Twitter, you can follow us for all the latest updates. We try to keep you updated. And we always answer your feedback as well, mm-hmm. good or bad. If oh, you have yeah. any questions, we always respond to you. We always appreciate Quite frankly, a lot of the feedback that we get on our Twitter is positive, and we thank you for that. Yes, thank you. And all the positive reviews that we get as well on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you find the podcast. Make sure to keep doing that, downloading, subscribing on those platforms, and keep leaving us the feedback in the stars. The feedback is great, and we appreciate that because— It helps us. Oh, the, and we, we love our audience. There's so many of you out there, the way the show has grown. It's—, it's we can't thank you enough. And I get contacted through my other podcast, Full Rigor, by people who tell me about their alien experiences. That's we'll right. have to do an episode on 
all of the experiences that I've been told about. It's yeah. amazing. Listener stories. Maybe we'll try to do that one day. So again, thank you to every, to, to, to all of you who listen and to, who consume the show. It's very much appreciated. And we do it for you. If yes. you weren't listening in, like you are and the, and the numbers that you are, we wouldn't do this. But it's because of you that you like it. So we do it for you. And remember, half of the 366 strange objects seen in the sky are unexplained. So we are going to cover that. Keep n- going. Yes. Next week, we promise next week as we come up to the holidays here we're going to slow down again but we will have episode 59 next week on UAP the Unidentified Alien Podcast we're going to talk more about these new disclosures coming out this new report from the government what are they covering up there and the new details in the Varginia incident that are coming out whistleblowers very interesting stuff that we're going to cover in episode 59 of UAP so until then it's Karen Curtis there. It's Stephen Dina right here. Thank you again so much for listening. Can't wait to talk to you again next time. Have a Take good one. Take care.